0: and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching. And today on our show, we're gonna talk all about what to do when your child has big, happy feelings that seem to be out of control. And they're being rejected by their peers or by other people and they're trying to deal with the cycle related to that, right? So if your child is dealing with daily meltdowns or your teen is shutting down because they feel social exclusion or social rejection, then you definitely want to make sure that you are paying attention to today's conversation because we're going to break down the pattern of watching your child struggle so hard to make friends and to be themselves around their friends and then feel rejected quite quickly with that whole cycle, right? So let's make sure that we're breaking down the whole pattern and really talking about uh, the, the full picture. If you're a parent who's dealing with the meltdown cycle, your child is dealing with big emotions that's leading to risky behaviors like hitting, kicking, screaming, throwing things, hitting their siblings, not just hitting you, right? Running up and, and popping one over over to, to a sibling around in the house, or you're worried that your child can't be safe amongst their peers. And this is happening on a regular basis, make sure you stay tuned. And if your child is the somebody who slows down and shuts down in those big emotions when they're experiencing a negative event, that might mean that they are... Uh, sad, frustrated, stuck, or disappointed, or scared, and they're running away from their problems, right? Highly sensitive kids either explode or implode in that daily meltdown cycle. And if you're dealing with this on a daily basis, that's not developmentally appropriate, even if your child is a preteen or teenager, okay? So this is really important. Daily shutdowns, refusals, or uh, checking out from their own life, and life and their own uh, life's experience will uh, totally shift the trajectory of your child's future. If you're not turning this around now, it's really important to not chalk uh, chalk this up to hormones, okay, or or a developmental stage, or even even in a, in a pandemic, right? If your child is dealing with any of these big major challenges, you've seen this. Sp- perpetuate itself for two weeks or more this then you definitely need to be paying attention and so if you're clear on the fact that your child's highly sensitive they feel big feelings they notice big uh they notice small details and big details they are easily overwhelmed and overstimulated they are emotionally reactive and empathetic and those two can feel like an oxymoron so listen to my other trainings on that Um, And then uh, they, they notice small details, then your child is likely highly sensitive, they fit into those four components of the personality trait, you are in the right place and your child's big emotions aren't always negative, right? So today we're going to talk all about when your child's big emotions are positive, and then they end up in a situation where they regret their behavior because those big emotions are so big that they do weird stuff. (laughs) I'm just gonna call it tight. We're just gonna talk all about the the fear that your child could be having or something that you are noticing for your child where their behavior is unlikely, unusual, or just, quote unquote, the dreaded too much. That label that we see highly sensitive kids get all the time. Those big emotions are too big, too much too excited too mad too sad we see a lot more around the, the negative emotion right but many of you parent a kid whose big emotions no matter what they are can feel like too much to handle and it's really important that you're parenting your child in a way that they don't feel like they are too much to handle a highly sensitive child or a highly sensitive teen who feels like they are too much for their parents feel responsible and like they need to be in charge of their big emotions more so than how they're led by you. And that is a very topsy-turvy experience for a child or teen to have. They need to be able to rely on you as a parent and they need to be able to rely on the understanding that you know how to lead them out of their big emotions, how to help them feel in control of their experiences, and how to help them thrive in any environment, whether that be home or with friends or in their community, in sports or at school. And if your child feels stuck in that, that's a very scary experience for your child to experience regularly. And children who don't feel supported emotionally or understood emotionally by their parents, simply by a mismatch of parenting can experience as a, a perception that they're being neglected. And so I want to understand what this is, you know, for, for parents, uh, who, who have understood your childhood, you might be highly sensitive and you've tried to, to, uh, Monday morning quarterback, your experiences, uh, nitpick, or dive into your own self-awareness, right? All of the, the above. Um, if you could parent yourself, how you would have parented yourself differently, you might have stumbled along the term called childhood emotional neglect CEN for short. And this term discusses when a parent is mismatched in their style to lead their child, their parenting style to lead their child, and the child feels consistently uh, misunderstood in how they communicate their needs and you know, their, their needs are misinterpreted. And so for your child who's highly sensitive and they feel big emotions, and we're talking about those positive emotions today, excitability, happiness, joy, curiosity, intrigue, right? Um, if your child's feeling those big emotions and you are still seeing them in this bubble of being too much that might pop soon right then you're walking on eggshells and with the positive emotions too and that sends the message to your kid that you don't know how to help them manage themselves and that they are scary no matter how they show up and uh, that for a child is is scary it's a scary experience to feel like your parents don't understand you and uh, don't know how to show you how to grow up into an adult because then who do you trust right if you can't emotionally feel safe in your own home then that is an experience of emotional neglect whether you're trying to as a parent emotionally dismiss your kid tell them they're terrible and that they'll never be they'll never amount to anything and you never talk to them that's one way to emotionally neglect your kid right that's the more textbook way or the more quote-unquote extreme way or lack of insight way right Um, or trauma history way right you you might be doing the best you could um, or your parents might have parented you like that and that was better than how they were parented maybe they were physically abused um, and they were just trying not to do that right but you're listening to me because you are trying not to rewrite history or You're trying to parent your kid in a way that you know your kid needs to be parented, and you simply don't know how to do it in a way that actually works, that eliminates that meltdown cycle or that shutdown cycle for teens. And so that's what we're talking about here. And so it's important to call a spade a spade. It's important to make sure that we understand what we're preventing here, which is an assessment as an adult for your child, that they were neglected as a kid, right? We want to prevent that experience for your kid. Absolutely, of course you do. And mismatched kids, kids who are mismatched in their parenting style, what they need and what they're getting as parent from their parents, end up perpetuating a heightened level of sensitivity. And as a result, that leads to more risky behaviors. Those risky behaviors are, are adrenaline seeking risky behaviors. That's what we're talking about, where your worry is headed today uh, for those, those uh, excitable kids, right? Doing things that are not safe. We'll get to that today or risky behaviors in the, the sense of aggression. We talk a lot about that um, on, on, on all of what I, what I discuss, right? So kids who end up self-harming, who think life would be better off without them, um, who, who engage in risky behaviors like riding their bikes impulsively without helmets because they're leaving their house in a huff and they're pissed at their parents, pardon my French. And then uh, teenagers just completely checking out on the screens, Snapchatting random strangers, uh, Instagramming, having multiple Instagram accounts, TikTok with strangers, DMing strangers, et cetera, to seek an emotional need of feeling fulfilled, right? And that is a whole different world uh, that many parents think that their kid won't get involved in. But what we know to be true as experts in this space, especially in the mental health world for our private practice, um, which is a different company than how you're contacting us here or, or staying in touch with us here, But we've seen it all, we've seen all of the challenges that sensitive kids can uh, meet their needs through uh, that, that create bigger problems. And so when we think about being able to prevent this and what is inevitable for sensitive kids who escape their emotions is that they escape their emotions into risky behaviors or uh, refusal to live their lives in a a either overt way, by just saying, no, I'm not not going to school, I'm not um, hanging out with friends, I I just don't want to, right? Or in a more um, ingrained way, which uh, leads to to depression and, and anxiety where they just feel perpetually stuck in fear. So your sensitive kids are, we know to be true, if they're melting down or if they're shutting down and they're trying not to feel their big old feelings, right? And uh, that can feel counterproductive for you to hear as a parent. Um, contradictory maybe, but it's true. I've been doing this for too long to tell you anything different. Um, uh, over a decade, if this is the first time you've heard from me, right? Um, so so you know, in knowing to sing all that and studying this uh, topic of, of my expertise for, for many, many years and working with hundreds of families and breaking out of this pattern you know that dealing with all of those big negative emotions are super, super important for your kid to learn to, to manage. And if your child is dealing with big positive emotions and they're trying to navigate social circumstances, then you can be caught between a rock and a hard place if you're trying to help your kid build insight into their behavior and uh, you're noticing that they feel so embarrassed by their positive behavior that that leads to negative negative Ex- emotions too, right? Embarrassment, guilt, an experience of rejection, worry, right? You might have uh, gone down the rabbit hole of the the fad uh, label of rejection sensitivity dysphoria, RSD, um, which doesn't have as much, nearly as much research around uh, than sensory processing sensitivity. It's a label that um, somebody who, who knew more about ADHD just kind of added to Uh, to the diagnosis rather than learning about sensory processing sensitivity and how sensitive people can be mislabeled with with ADHD, inattentive type, and are definitely susceptible to a sense of rejection because they are emotionally more aware, emotionally more observant, right? When you take the whole world from the top circle of a funnel, and you take in all that much information when the other 80% of the population takes in the information from the world, like the bottom of the funnel, then of course you're going to pay attention to more details and be more overwhelmed by those details to include when people look at you funny, (laughs) right? And so what happens when your child is just feeling positive emotion, being a goofy little adorable child, and you know arms about jumping like a jumping bean and it's a socially inappropriate time or it's a socially unusual time right so it might be that your child is so excited to jump into soccer that they are just dancing in line ready to go get their ball um and and all the other kids are lining up straight like robots right um and your child is just full of joy that day But what happens is that the kid in front of them happens to get kicked because um, your child is just super excited to, to take their turn kicking into the goal at soccer practice. And the kid turns to them and goes, stop being so weird. Chill out. And then just like that, your child shuts down, freaks out, maybe runs away, right? Just loses it. And for you as a parent, your heart sinks. You want so badly to honor the fact that your child has a joy for life, right? I'm not going to uh, say it in French because <laughs> I'll butcher it. A joy for life, right? And, um, and that is something that everybody in life should have, right? We, we want that. We want, we want adults. Adults need more joy in their life. Adults need to play... And and experience happiness, and and see a possibility and challenge, and 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 soak up silver linings and gratitude, and exude it, and and notice that the world, all the blessings of the world, right? And and so if we as adults need to notice that, and we we notice a pretty big vacuum, especially in today's climate, where adults aren't showing up uh, in gratitude and noticing how life can be amazing, then when we see our child full-bodied experiencing happiness, we want to join in on the fun, right? If we're noticing that as a strength. If we're not, we can go straight to embarrassment. And if we see that there's a socially inappropriate time for our child to be experiencing such high level of intense full-bodied joy, then we can go into wanting to defend the understood experience for all the the children right we're supposed to be just chill right now waiting our turn right and so then we can try to teach and mold and uh, unfortunately without uh, an effective way to do that we can lean pretty quickly into wanting to just kind of contain our kids wrap them up um, strap them down emotionally Right, I'm not talking about. I mean, you might have the urge. I'm not, you know, I've talked to enough parents and we've served enough people where you can have that urge to want to just not just bubble wrap your kid from emotions, um, but tie them up when they're when they're that intense, right? And obviously, you're not going to do that. I'm not saying that that's something you would actually want to do. But hey, girl, I hear you. I see you. If that's something that you're thinking, right? Um, can I just like get my kid to stop being the Tasmanian devil in this moment and slow the down, (laughs) slow down, right? Um, sure, sure. Of course you've been there. And if that's the case, then we definitely want you to be able to manage that and lead your child into noticing how to read the room or the field. (laughs) <laughs> to go with my example, right, because otherwise what happens, there's there's the risk that this is going to end up in, uh, you know, a, a diagnosis land, your kid is labeled hyperactive, um, when you know your kiddo definitely can sit still and focus outside of screen time too, right, your child is, has a, a beautiful mind and is totally capable of, of zoning in into a passion, right, and so that doesn't fit, If that label doesn't fit, which some kids do have the diagnosis of ADHD and it does fit them. So I'm not saying that uh, diagnosis doesn't, uh, doesn't exist, isn't relevant. But what I'm talking about is if your kid's highly sensitive and you don't think your kid fits that profile, but sometimes they show up all over the place uh, and you need to help them feel regulated, it's important to understand that that's what that is. There's, this, there's a positive dysregulation, positive emotion, but your kid still feels out of control. And when parents uh, notice this, you can you can be quick to, to try to um, just kind of clamp down, right? Try to teach your kid that now is not the time by joining in, right? Joining in on the rest of the, um, the, 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 the teammates or the other adults, telling your kid to chill out dude, breathe, or hey, you know, now's not the time, right? Um, and, and, it, and that could be an impulse for you. It could be an action that you take, definitely. And when, when you know, you, you end up slowing down, you end up realizing that that wasn't the right fit, because it ended up making it worse, telling your kid what you wanted them to do in that moment, when they were shooting rockets out of their arms <laughs> with excitement. Um you can't to- turn a rocket ship into um into a rock, right? Steady rock. I guess that metaphor worked. Um, right away. Your your kids not flipping this like a switch. And um even if it feels like they are, so that's there there is definitely a lead up time to these big emotions. Um and, and systematically, there is a way for you to, to notice that in order to slow them down. But uh, noticing how you're trying to slow them down is really, really important, right? So, so what doesn't work is teaching your child to control their emotions by telling them to chill out. Your child needs to learn how to control their emotions, definitely. That is absolutely one of the things. But insight into how they're experiencing their emotions and uh, doing that without shame, right? Hey, you need to turn it off. Not right. Not appropriate. Don't do that now, right? What are you doing? You're shushing your kid, but in terms of their behavior. And if your child is full of joy and then they get shushed, who feels good about that, right? You know your kid doesn't feel good about that. So what do we do, right? We need to be able to teach your child to to manage their emotions, to notice their emotions, and to decrease the intensity and read the room. Um, in order to do that, right? Is now the right time, right? Am I in a ball pit where I can go? <laughs> am I at Chuck E. Cheese where it's just understood that I'm gonna be wild right now, right? Um, or am I at soccer practice in line and everybody is single file, you know, they might be excited, I might be able to do a little jiggle, right, uh, or a little wiggle, um, but, you know, arms and legs kicking sideways, frontways and backwards, isn't uh, isn't going to lend me uh, into making any friends or staying on the team, right? Because if your sensitive kid is just ready to um, ready to leave because uh, they were embarrassed by by one kid's look or retort, uh, then then definitely that's going to be a moment where where you have a lot bigger of a challenge to navigate because embarrassment. Here's uh, you know our, our second uh, or another point here. Embarrassment doesn't teach, right? So if you're shushing your kid, trying to control them through your words or through your rules, that's not going to work, okay? The next piece is noticing that embarrassment doesn't teach. Um, embarrassment is actually demotivating. It's not motivating. It's demotivating, and so that's really important. Uh, that embarrassment is an emotion. We can't use emotions to drive behavior need to use insight to drive behavior and goal orientation to drive behavior. So if your child, if you're trying to teach your child to drive their behavior based on their emotions, guess what? You're perpetuating the meltdown cycle because meltdowns are driven by emotion. So you're, you're trying to teach your child to regulate their emotions so that their behavior uh, can be under control, but then... In other avenues telling them that their emotions should dictate how they should behave and that is extremely confusing for a child. Those principles are opposite and children need structure, uh, consistency, and routine to feel safe and they can't think in abstract ways like sometimes um, you use your emotions to manage your behavior and, and, and then other times you use your emotions and you discount them to see what other people should be feeling and so then you feel that too, right? I mean, the, that, that you're, you're speaking um, uh, sideways and backwards at the same time to your kids, super confusing. And so when, when we look at it from that angle, right? Then we can be much more motivated to, to stop that behavior for, for ourselves as parents. Um, that information can be can be used to shift your dynamic. So I hope that I'm busting a myth here for you. Um, The other thing that I think is really important to understand is that excitability and poor social skills only go hand in hand if your child is not able to own their weird <laughs> so let's talk about that. We need to be able to teach your child to manage their shame. I want to talk about preteens too. Um, make sure that I don't forget to do that today because, you know, I, I use the soccer game example, right? But uh, your preteen could be sitting in class and um, excited about, um, or let's make it more relatable. <laughs> your kid could be walking to class with their teenager, uh, with their friend, right? You, you're, so your, your preteen teen is, is walking to class with their friend and they're excited about something, I don't know, coming up later today, they, a topic or, or a TikTok they watched or whatever. I mean, if you guys listen to this three years from now, I guess I'll be dating myself with the social media use of, of what platform we're talking about. But um, what I think is really important to understand is your preteen could be saying something like meep, boop, boop, pop uh, you know, just, or making cat noises or, um, being super excited with other, uh, sound effects. And that is a highly sensitive thing to do. <laughs> we joke here over at MTC that our whole team speaks fluent cat. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, But for your highly sensitive teen, immediately after that excitement sound effect comes out of their mouth, they can go straight to, oh, snap. Oh, snap. What did I just do? I can't believe I just did that. Holy smokes. Red face. Got to get out of here. And what do they do? They zip and then they completely judge themselves, go straight into self-criticism. I can't believe I just said that. You're such an idiot. Who do you think you are? Now she's gonna totally write you off. Do you think she's gonna tell Betty, another m- m- dated name? <laughs> do you think she's gonna tell Betty about this tomorrow? Do you think she's gonna tell Lizzie about this on on you know over DM later today? Oh my gosh, am I gonna get you know group chat bullied? Right. So she totally misses the conversation around how her friends are all doing this certain social media challenge because she was in her mind about the fact that she made a meat mop boop dop noise and then later on whatever social media platform she's on she sees her friends doing the challenge and she misses the fact that she got invited and what happens next? Another rabbit hole of rejection. I can't believe my friends didn't tell me they were doing this. They must not like me. See, of course, of course my friends don't like me. I can't be myself. What happens? Social isolation, zoning out in more TikToks, learning new TikTok uh, you know, challenges or whatever is the flavor of today when you hear me send this message. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you can hear this two weeks from now when I, when I make this uh, show recording and the, the social media platform could be dead. But um, it doesn't matter, right? What matters is that your kid is hearing something from their peers that might not actually be there because they're experiencing a negative emotion and they don't know how to regulate it enough to own their weird. <laughs> and so let's let's think about this, right? Because for you as a parent, you could be totally focused on supporting your child in owning who they are. But if your preteen or teenager doesn't know that they experience emotions differently and they think about the world differently, they're not gonna take anything you have to say as relevant and instead they'll be doing the hard work later as adults i can't believe i second guessed every single thing until my 30s when i finally started to believe who i was because nobody understood them from ages 1 through 18 in their perception right it's not for lack of trying i'm not here to judge you and say that you're a terrible parent and that you know you you never understood what what your what your kid was doing and you never tried to understand right but what i'm saying is right now here in this moment, your preteen, teen your teen doesn't feel understood by their parent and being highly sensitive means that they need to learn more through you and their relationship with you than their peers. But you've got the odds that children age 11, fifth grade and up are much more susceptible to peer influence than adults, they, they add weight to peer influence much more than adults, right? So when we have that data point and, they under, and then we, com- we cross compare it to how sensitive people need to learn and sensitive children, teens need to learn, there's a pretty big wall up against another wall um, if you're trying to lead your child through uh, motivating them with embarrassment. They're already motivated to hide from embarrassment, it's not going to get them to motivate to change their behavior towards a more positive or appropriate social scale. And so if you're trying this for children that are younger, um, notice notice how this is gonna play out in the future and, and, and work to turn that around. Your child needs to be able to feel and notice and then think before they act. They can't just think about how it's gonna turn out if they do it. And so we hear this, oh my gosh, time and time again, from parents who take their kids to the professionals who teach their kids to think about it before they act. Listen, guys, your kids' brain, your the, the the begin <laughs> their frontal lobe, the front part of the brain, okay, isn't fully developed until they're twenty five. That's the average. Twenty-five. Frontal lobe, front part of the brain, and the forehead, the part of the brain in the forehead is cause and effect what i do creates something else okay so if you're if you're listening to a professional who's just having a conversation with a kid on a couch or in a at a desk right like i'm not just speaking about um or or in a medical chair right so this could be pediatricians therapists occupational therapists um psychiatrists doctors uh who are Neither pediatricians or or psychiatrists. Um, Teachers, principals, assistant principals, school counselors, coaches. If any of those professionals who might have years of experience working with kids, right, are trying to teach your sensitive child, your highly sensitive child or preteen, to think before they act, they are completely missing the mark and they are not leading you down a path that's going to be effective. Because not only do they not understand brain development, and that's why they are talking six ways to Sunday to those other kids, right? But for your child, your child's brain's already moving a mile a minute. They are thinking before they act. They are just so overwhelmed by those thoughts that they don't know what to do about them. There's too much information to funnel and categorize and act on. So you can't lead your kid from the problem that they have. You can't teach your kid to solve the problem from the problem that they have that's not the solution. That's the problem. No wonder your kid is huffing and puffing leaving you, right? When when you're trying to talk to them about it. You don't get it. Mom, dad, grandma, whoever, whoever is in charge of leading your child out of this big, deep, dark, emotional state that happens after they experience a big, happy, joyful state. Okay? So, kind of got a little passionate about that but it's so so important it's such a hot topic for me and a hot button for me to pay attention to because we need to understand child development we need to understand how the brain develops and we need to understand how highly sensitive brain body heart develops brain body in terms of how they manage their bodies how they experience their emotions how they are in control of their safety through their bodies, their actions, and their heart, how they feel, how they see themselves, how they feel connected to other people, right? All of those things need to be taken into account. And you need to be able to notice who is teaching your kid and who has helped your kid. And if, if what you're seeing isn't moving the needle, you want to wonder, have they helped kids like your kid break out of this pattern? Have they helped hundreds of kids like your kid break out of this pattern, like our team, right? Or are they just trying to fit your kid into a box that the other 80% of the kids nod, say yes, and try better next time? And your kid, who's 15 to 20% of the population, he nods, says yes, tries to try better next time, doesn't, and then feels like an even worse piece of crap after that because they can't measure up because it's an approach that isn't effective or they didn't even try in the first place because they've been judging whether or not they'll get it right the first time and they're paralyzed to start that's the type of kid that you could be could have in your in your home and that type of kid isn't broken they are not broken your child is not broken you are not broken The strategy you're using definitely has a lot of cracks in it, but if you're ready to break out of that pattern, you're ready to use exactly what works and has worked repeatedly for consistent number of families over and over and over again, you're ready to see if you're fit for what we do here at MTC, then I would encourage you to book a call, okay? Have a conversation with our team. On that conversation, we are going to discuss whether or not we're fit. We're going to cover what you've tried so far where you might have gone left when you need to have gone right and we're going to teach you what going right might look like if you decide and i'm not trying to say uh well it works so maybe it is the right way in my opinion i'm kind of biased right um but when you pivoted when you should have shuffled right i don't know sports but in that respect what we're noticing is that if you're listening to what we have to say, it is not because you're a crappy person or a crappy parent. You have been trying your darndest to get out of this pattern. And you're not there yet. So if you're ready to break out of it faster, more efficiently, more effectively, then have a conversation with our team. We will discuss and, and cover uncover where you might be stuck what you've tried so far, and then we'll cover where you wanna go, what your goals are, right? And if we are a, the best fit to help you cover those go- that groundwork and get to those goals, then we will tell you exactly how that works. You can get started right away. But if we're not the fit, this is really, really important. If we are not the fit, it is super important that we still have that conversation because we will tell you what's gonna work more effectively and we'll point you in that direction. So feel free to reach out. We'll have a conversation um, and and we'll point you in the right direction, whether that's to be working with us or uh, doing something different. And uh, that is a conversation that we have, we're happy to have. It's not something that we can do over just a quick DM or uh, a chit chat on, on a message board, right? You need to have back and forth conversation. We need to understand where you're truly, really stuck. And uh, go ahead over to megantomsoncoaching.com backslash talk, or megantomsoncoaching.com backslash teen talk if you're parenting a high school age or, or older teenager, um, in high school. Okay, um, teen t- or megantomsoncoaching.com backslash talk is uh, eighth graders and young- and under. Okay. All right, folks. Have a wonderful day. Look forward to hearing from you, and we'll catch you on the next show. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard, and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes, and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen. What your goals are for supporting your child's development and if we can help you we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself you need expert guidance to make it happen and we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks so to see if we can help you do the same head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call i'm megan thompson and we look forward to speaking to you soon.